Good morning. Well, I said earlier, I introduced myself. My name is Ben, um, and I'm the director of worship arts. And so, um, thanks for the note, David. Bass player left me a little note. I'm not going to read that. Um, <laughs> uh, but I really am proud of these guys. We have a lot of, we're blessed with a lot of talent here, and so thank you guys. Um, so every now and then I get to teach. Every now and then, um, like all the other staff members are out of town in, in Costa Rica, vacation. It just, every now and then, it happens like that. But I cherish the chance to teach. It's a fun, different thing for me to do. Um, it allows you to get to know me a little bit better, and I think that's good. Um, and, uh, and I like it. It's fun. I can talk. I can talk for days. Um, so we're good. We're in a four-week series called Bless This Home, and the tagline of the series is how to find peace, joy, and contentment in your family life. Today, I get to talk about joy, how to bring the blessing of joy to your home and the places you go. As that comedian Louis C.K. said in that clip, everything is amazing and nobody is happy. Isn't that the truth these days? It makes you kind of wonder what is going on. Everybody, or everything is amazing and nobody is happy. I don't understand it. If you've heard me preach before too, you'll know that I have this kind of Achilles heel where wherever I, whatever I have to teach about, I tend to have to go through the toughest part of that the whole week before. I hate it. It's like the sermon ringer. Um, and, um, and actually a few months ago, the other staff members were planning and they said um, there was a, um, some series or some Sunday was coming up and the topic was marriage and like conflict or something. And I said, no, 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 I'm not doing it. I have Israel drive up and preach. I don't want to do it. I don't want to go through that ringer uh, this week. And they're like, no, really, Ben, it'll be okay. Just, just preach it. You'll be fine. There's nothing wrong. Don't worry about it. And Anyway, Israel preached a really great message on marriage. Um, I just said, I'm not going to touch it. Um, I do think God has purpose in allowing, allowing that tradition in my preaching life. Um, it's good for me. It really makes me struggle firsthand with what I'm about to, to yap about for 25 minutes. And I think that's healthy. Um, and also, um, the whole thing about kind of seeing it everywhere, it's not really... So there's a part of it that's not really super spiritual. It's just that I'm thinking about it, and so you're mindful of these things. It's kind of like when you're you're going out to you're going out to buy a new Ford pickup or something, and all of a sudden you see that pickup everywhere, you know. Or you're going to go get a, a Honda Element. You see Honda Elements everywhere. It's just what you're thinking about is at the front of your mind. The last few weeks have been a little bit different um, because my household as far as joy is concerned, has been just fine. Uh, we've been doing great. We're in a good place. Um, instead, I've been saturated with the stories of others around me that are just going through it, just having really rough times, a lot of tough family stuff. Um, and, and my wife and I have just been trying to come alongside with a lot of very difficult situations. And I'm thinking, why would God have that at the front of my mind and at the same time have me writing a sermon about how to have joy in your home. Because it, it just felt like I was just all week back and forth between these topics. And I think the reason is this. Most of us, if we're truly honest, even though we live near San Luis Obispo, which was just voted the happiest city in USA, again, 
most of us don't have a lot of joy in our homes. If we're honest, a lot of us don't have a lot of joy in our homes. Um, in my home, one of the um, clues as to how joyful our house is is by the, the type of music that's being played. And we've got everything from deep, meaningful worship playing all the time. We just have loud music going all the time. And, um, and uh, all the way you know, to uh, you know, deep, meaningful worship, all the way to this thing called Kids Bop. Have you guys heard of that? It's basically really terrible versions of pop songs by kids. So it's just, you've got this terrible Bieber song, but sung by a nine-year-old. So, you know, and it just depends on who grabs the playlist. But you can get a really good idea of the happiness level, the, the state of happiness or joy in my home by just standing outside and listening to what's playing on the inside. And that's not an invitation. Um, but if you happen to be snooping around and you heard singing and dancing and jumping and really loud music and you heard this song. That's my favorite part. Yeah. We all know that song. It makes you kind of, all right. So... If you hear that song, the mood is probably good in my house. It's great. We're having a good time. Everybody's happy. My eight-year-old, soon-to-be nine-year-old daughter probably has control of the playlist. <laughs> if you stop by and pressed your ear against the window and you heard this song, uh, maybe Benny had a bad day. Maybe I had a rough day at work or something. If you, it's so sad. I think of all those lost puppies, you know, that commercial. Okay, so, and that's really sad that what her career has turned into. But anyway, um, now, if you rolled up to our house and you heard this song. No, we're not going to say that word. Some of you know what's next. Shame on you. Um, if you hear Adele playing out of my house, if I hear that when I'm on my way home and I, I get out of my car, I hear Adele really loud, I'll probably go in, get my kids, and just run out for a while. <laughs> I asked my wife's permission if I can share that, because if you know my wife, she's not a real, she doesn't like swing between moods. She's very stable. And, but, but anyway, and she says, I don't even play Adele when I'm upset. I play nothing. <laughs> so like, okay, okay. <laughs> If it's a really, really good day in my house, you might overhear me singing one of our favorite family songs, which is uh, Good, Good Father in the first person. Um, that's a really fun thing for... <laughs> Try it. <laughs> they say behind every good man's a woman rolling her eyes. And... Um, I'm trying to give us a good shot at that every day. Now, I'm not trying to paint a picture that we've got a moody home. You know, we don't have a moody home. It's just that the truth is, uh, music in our home seems to match 
where the happiness is in our home. We just, that's how it flows. Uh, this year in Time Magazine, um, they unveiled the latest results of the Harris Poll Happiness Index. Did you know there was such a thing? It's really interesting. And this uses a series of questions to calculate Americans' overall happiness and found that fewer than one in three Americans, 31%, are very happy this year. That's down from just over one in three, 34% last year. We seem to be happier the further back we go on this chart. Side note, the number was 42% for those who attended church weekly. Hint, hint. That's like one of the only bumps in there. That and very politically active people, which does not make sense to me. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. But if you look at this chart, somehow, somehow, if you look at the top left, we were happier in one of the worst parts of the last recession than we are now. What is going on? And it, it's just, it, you can see that. It goes, it's going down. It, it feels like things are getting worse. And it makes me ask the question, what is going on with the wealthiest group of people on the face of the earth? We, and I don't mean just us in the room, but we, our community, our nation, we have just about everything we think we need, but we are not very happy. So what does a pastor tell a group of people who live in one of the happiest counties in the entire USA, where within a half an hour you can find beautiful, you can do any one of these things this afternoon, pretty much. You find beautiful wine country, a bunch of places to go. You can go to the beach. You can go to the mountains. You can go to um, a lake. Um, you can go to. You can get a free burger on your birthday at Sylvester's. <laughs> you can. You like shopping? No problem. You've got Target. You've got Costco. Um, you like live music? It's everywhere. Um, the stinking monkeys are coming to town in a few weeks. <laughs> Do you remember the monkeys? Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. Okay, that's a good. That was a good show too. But the monkeys, the Doobie Brothers, are coming to town. We've got, in Paso Robles, we've got Mexican food restaurants where actual Mexicans will actually eat. (laughs) And I'm saying that to say that we've got just about everything you could want as far as happiness and finding those little things to put in your life and be happy. All the things that we say we want in the American dream to be happy, we've got them right here. Pretty much within a half hour drive, you can get to any one of those things anytime. And still only a third of us admit to being very happy. What is going on? This is our main scripture today. It's in John 15. And it says this. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. 
There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is the problem. We're all pursuing the wrong source for our joy. We're wanting happiness to fill in for our true desire of joy. And there's a really big difference between the two. We all have plenty of opportunities for happiness around us. But we're not happy because it doesn't last. Like the songs in my house, the the mood changes easily with those. And because of that, God sees, I think, our desire for happiness. And he looks to us and says, no, I'm going to prescribe joy. I know you want happiness, but what you really want is joy. So let's take a look at the scripture in God's word and, and try to find that way to joy. Here's what God prescribes. Three things, really. Remain in me, remain in my love, and have full joy by overflowing into others. What does remain in me mean? It's Jesus saying, pursue me, know me, spend time with me. He's saying, remain in me and my words remain in you. So time with Jesus. Remain in my love is a little bit different. To be in God's love means simply this. It means to obey him. And I know that's kind of an uncomfortable word. Nobody likes to be told what to do, right? But God is saying, if we're going to keep this love alive, you've got to trust me and love me by listening to me and obeying what I've got to say. God's saying, I'm trying to tell you that I have the best in mind for you. In Psalm 19:8, it says, the commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. And those are ideas that don't really naturally sink in with us sometimes. We look at obedience like something hanging around our neck that we'd have to do. We look at it like duty. And, and God is always tying together our obedience and our joy. And there's a part of us that knows that, and there's a part of us that, does, that, does, that knows that and doesn't want to know it. <laughs> I don't even want to say it. <laughs> So God's always bringing us back to that simple, simple truth. If you want to be happy, if you want joy, then trust me, rest in me, and listen to me. I have the best for you. So how does this apply to our homes and our circles of friends and our workplaces? Well, these are the places where we overflow and our joy is complete. This is where it ties together. Christ is meant to be the center and the fuel of your relationships. When he is, everyone is filled by him and everybody is able then to to pour into each other. And suddenly you start to have joy. I need a couple of volunteers. Anybody feeling brave? I need four people. All right, there's one. Come on up. Roy, you help me out? Drew? Hey, come on up. Roy, um... Uh, we get to have a Cuban Jesus today. Roy, you stand in the middle. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and the rest of the three of you, you're going to form kind of a triangle around him and face in. Oh, wherever you want. So you guys are going to be facing Roy. Roy, you can kind of turn wherever you want because you're, you're Jesus and kind of omnipresent in that. So, um, so you three are circled around him like that, okay? And actually... Make more of a triangle so you're actually, you know, like evenly around him. Do you know what I mean? So you come this way. It's okay. The last service, it was difficult too. I, 
Because there you go. Now, now, everybody stay where you are. Roy, take a step right in the middle of the mush pot. There we go. We did it. <laughs> this is a healthy circle. And this is what I want to try to teach through this, is that when, if, if Roy is, the, is Jesus right now, and the rest of you are, are a group of friends or a family, and you are facing in like you are, you're facing Jesus. Roy, don't let it get to your head. <laughs> Um, they see each other and they see Jesus. Now, everybody take, you're kind of close already, but take a little baby step in. You've all gotten a little bit closer to Jesus. And guess what? Who else are you closer to? Each other. Now, those of you on the outside, just spin around and face outward. Okay. Now, you're facing apart. Nobody sees Jesus. All they see is their own view. Now take a step outward, each of you. They're further again from Jesus. They're further apart from each other. This works for your families, for your friends, for your workplace. Everywhere, when you're, when you're facing together with Christ at the center, you'll start to experience joy. Thank you guys for volunteering. You might think, well, Ben, Jesus isn't the center of my workplace. That may be true, but you can make him. You can put him there. If you've got, if you've got yourself and you've got somebody else right here, there's nothing stopping you from putting Jesus in the middle. There's nothing stopping you from seeing them through him, from still putting him there and drawing close to him and seeing what he does. If you don't put him there, they may never see him. But I find it really interesting and helpful that if you're facing in and you're pursuing Jesus and pursuing the things that God has for you, and that's your focus, just that, you start growing together. You become closer. Once you turn out and start facing out, you start to get in trouble. I'm going to switch gears just a little bit because we, we all in our homes and friendships and workplaces, we have these constant opportunities to do this. Either bring joy or take joy to those around us. As we saw in that scripture, John 15, when we let Jesus be the vine to us and we trust God to be the gardener working it all together, we have this ability to overflow into the people around us. But the flip side is that if we do not choose to be a vine, we default to being a dying branch. And that's a little confusing because in that scripture, he, does, he calls us branches. But in that scenario, he's just trying to line up the hierarchy of the sources. What's the difference between a branch and a vine? Well, a vine takes life from the vine and gives life, gives life to the others around. Branches and vines. Branches just take. They give nothing out and then they die. Back to that circle analogy. If you're facing in, you are being a vine. If you're facing out, you are slowly turning into a branch. So the question for you in your families, in your social circles, is in this second point. Will you give joy or take joy from the people around you? As a parent, a spouse, a son, a daughter, in-laws... Do you look at 
the people in your family and the places you go as people for you to serve or are those people that are there to serve you? Are you making memories or are you taking memories? Are you carving out time for each other or are you not? Are you carving out only time for yourself and, and pushing away? Are you holding healthy boundaries for your, from your, for your family or is that just an afterthought? These are really big, hard questions. And the reason is all of these purposeful things can bring life and joy back to your homes. But like everything else, if it's not on purpose, it just doesn't happen. It probably won't happen. Joy in your home is not an afterthought. It won't happen on accident. You're, you're, you are by default, you are either going to bring joy and be a vine, you're going to bring joy to your home, or you're going to take joy from your home in your own pursuit of happiness. John fifteen twelve said this, This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's really big, inconvenient, difficult love. He's literally asking us to die, to be willing to do that, to lay down our lives and preferences for those around us. So the challenge really is for you to look at those around you this week and all I really want you to be thinking about is this simple idea. Am I bringing joy to these people or am I taking joy from them? Am I being a vine to the people that I'm surrounded with and bringing them life and giving them life? Or am I just taking life? Am I just being a branch? Am I bringing life to my wife or am I sucking the life out of her? Got quiet. If I... <laughs> And it's just the truth. It's our default. We, you know, we look at the people, even the people we live with, uh, our, our family, and we just tend to kind of organize them to kind of help us get our goals done instead of going home with the, the idea. You know, sometimes I, sometimes I come home from work and I just need to not get out of my truck right away. I need to sit in my truck for a minute and just think, God, like help me to be someone that brings life to my family, not take life from my family when I walk through the door. John 15 teaches us that we just do these things. Pursue your relationship with Jesus and then know God and listen to him and trust him. And then let that relationship cause you to overflow into those around you because joy in your home will happen on purpose as you plan time together, as you give yourself to them, as you protect your family, as you protect your time together. See each other through God's eyes and you're going you're gonna to have a fighting chance of having a joyful home. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, yeah, Ben, but you don't know who I live with. Or you don't know who I work with. And that's troublesome for you and for me because the truth is joy has nothing to do with our circumstances. Joy has nothing to do with our feelings. It has to do with the source. It's a constant life of Taking from the vine and going out. Not taking from here to give out. We, we give out. And sometimes it comes back. And that's a blessing. And, and it's awesome. But we take from God as our source. And we send out. And if you're having a hard time knowing how you're going to do this. How am I going to start this? My, my whole family is broken. I don't know how to start. You just have to be the first one to turn around. Jesus is in the middle of your family. He made your family. You just have to be the first one to turn around and face him. And when you do that, you can see him and you can see the others. And maybe one by one, they'll start turning around. 
But you can put Jesus in the center of your family whether or not others do it or whether or not they see it. I love that this verse uh, 7 is squashed right in the middle of God's challenge um, where he tells us to stick close to him and be connected to the vine and also at the end where he's telling us basically to die for each other and to overflow into others. And right in the middle of all that, it's like he had to take a break and go like, okay, but before you think you can't do this, let me just say this. He says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. So God's telling us, this can happen, ask for it. Yeah, it's, it's really a great opportunity, and, and it starts with each one of us um, to, to bring joy to others. And so that's my challenge and prayer for you guys. Wherever you go this week, whatever circles of friends you're in, just let it cross your mind every now and then. Am I, am I being a vine to this person, or am I being a branch? Am I giving them life, or am I sucking the life out of them? Because <laughs> that's really what it comes down to. Okay, let's pray. God, we uh, thank you for this morning. We acknowledge that we are stubborn and, um, and we know that your commandments are good. We know that obedience is what you want because you've got the best in mind for us. But God, we're just, we're hard to turn sometimes. It's hard to get us to see that um, you are both in control and you are good. But God, help us to see that. God, we know that you tell us these things not just for your own glory, but for our joy for the good of those who love you. And so help us to believe that and to pursue that. God, help us as we go out this week into this community, into our families, to be a vine to them, to bring life to the people around us and not take the life out of them, but bring them life. God, help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.